small refrigerator. She popped the top and chugged its contents. Gran shook her head. There are days I do wish you'd gone to Newcomb College instead of art school. You might have picked up a bit of etiquette. Sure, if I'd gone there in the 1950s like you did. Maggie kissed her grandmother on the top of her head and sat down on the wing-back chair next to her. Where are Mom and Dad? Out on a power walk. Gron said, taking another sip of her drink. Nanette Doucette Crozat, Maggie's mother, had survived a bout with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma in her twenties. A recent health scare had inspired her to launch a fundraiser for lymphoma research, the Yes We Pelican 10K Walk for the Cure. She trained for it by walking every day with family or friends. Maggie joined her whenever she could. Shaya, are you home? Maggie heard her father call. In the office, she called back. Nanette and Tebow Tug Crozat, both in workout attire, strode in, bringing a whiff of perspiration with them. The couple held hands. Petite Nanette subtly elevated her arm so that her husband, taller by more than a foot, wouldn't have to compensate for the height difference by bending toward her. We worked up an appetite, Nanette said. I'm going to get dinner going. We got another book in for the week before Christmas, Gron told Tug. I think we'll be sold out for the holidays. Excellent, he said. We will have some guests this week, but they're all freebies. Maggie and Gron exchanged a puzzled look. This was a surprise to both of them. Vanessa Fleer called and asked if we might have room for a few of her wedding guests, Nanette explained. Her cousin Ginger's group. What? Maggie exclaimed. Are you serious? Of course. Why? What's the problem? I don't know. She wouldn't tell us, but there is one. Maggie detailed Vanessa's unhappy reaction to the news that her cousin would be attending the wedding. I can't believe that on top of a million duties she dumped on me, now she's dumping a relative she obviously can't stand on my family. And for free? Charging her guests felt in bad taste. I told her it was a wedding present. I'm already making them a wedding present, Mama. I'm painting their portrait. If Vanessa lives that long, I swear I may kill her before I finish it. Watch your words, dear, Gron said. I'm guessing a cocktail is now in order. Not right now. I have to drive over to Bonbon. But trust me, I'll be hitting the bottle as soon as I get back. Maggie marched out of the main house to the small shotgun house that she shared with her grandmother. Gopher tagged along with her. I love them, I truly do, she complained to the hound as she opened the creaky wooden door and followed the dog inside. But honestly, sometimes I think my parents are so nice it's dangerous. Gopher, distracted by some muffin crumbs he discovered on the floor, didn't respond. Maggie went into her bedroom, pulled off her clothes, and threw them into the bathroom hamper. She took a quick shower and slipped into faded brown ankle boots, jeans, and a caramel sweater that brought out the orange in her hazel eyes. She grabbed a leather jacket and headed out of the house to her car. As the sun began its twilight descent over the Mississippi River, 
Maggie drove down a two-lane road into the historic center of Pelican. The town featured a village green surrounded by centuries-old brick buildings sporting lacy iron balconies. One of them housed two quaint shops, Bon Bon Sweets and Fay Dodo Patisserie. Both were owned by her cousin, Leah Tien. Maggie was thrilled when Leah, widowed young, found love again with a Crozat guest, Kyle Bruner, who'd lost his wife in a tragic accident. Some Pelicaners believed in magic, some didn't, but pretty much all agreed that fate had a hand in uniting those two grieving souls. Maggie parked behind the shops and hopped out of the Falcon. She opened the car's trunk, pulled out a small box, and walked into Bon Bon. The shop smelled of chocolate and salted caramel, a scent so delicious that Maggie felt she could bite into it. The walls boasted a display of paintings.